You know, it's so important for us to proclaim our faith in Christ. Our words going out. You know, the Bible talks about our words and the power of our words, that there's death and life in the power of the tongue. And we pro proclaim that we believe in Christ. I want you to know that that, that affirms something in you. It, it, it supports something. You, you are not just saying it, it just continues to build in you. But know that you're going to be tested on it. You're going to be tested on it, but understand this. You believe in God, but God believes in you. God has great confidence in you. And so know that you're not alone. You're, you're not having to struggle by yourself. God is there to help you, to support you, to strengthen you, and to see you through to what he has provided, promised, and planned for you. Amen? God is so good. Well, you can turn and just wave to somebody, be seated, take your masks off if you, if you desire to. If you don't, you're welcome to keep them on too. And this is a judgment-free zone, so we don't look at anybody, whether they're masked or unmasked. We have been learning and, and looking at uh, unity. But really what we've been looking at is what is necessary for revival because there is such a an awareness of God's people that revival is at hand. It's happening. It's not about to happen. It's happening. And whether we are going to be involved with it or not is an individual choice. God's going to have revival. He's going to have his way. And we are going to choose whether we're going to walk with him and experience the glory, the goodness, the power the outpouring that he has or, or not. You know, I was, I was thinking about this, and it all depends on how we have positioned ourselves and how, how we have aligned ourselves. If we're aligned with God, God's going to pour into you everything he has. But if we're, we're looking towards something or someone else to, to be our source, to be the one that we follow and, and we look to for breakthroughs and things like that, God's not going to force his will or his way on us. And it's kind of like a cup. If a cup isn't turned straight towards the source that's pouring into it, it'll fill, but it won't fill as fast as it could. If it's turned away, it won't fill at all with what, what is being poured on it. And God wants to pour out on us. The Bible talks about in the days we live in, he's pouring out his spirit on all flesh. But how many of you know not all flesh is going to respond to the outpouring of the spirit? If you don't know that, you need to know that. Because God is pouring out... And it's all dependent on whether we're in the right attitude, position, uh, whether we're aligned with him. And if we are, that revival is going to go on with or without us. But if we are, we're going to be involved in that. And it's going to be one of the greatest opportunities, greatest joys. The people in heaven, the people that have already gone before us, the people that we read about in the Bible, look to the day that you and I are living in. They longed for this day. And we have the distinct privilege and opportunity to be able to live in these days and live these things out. But revival requires something. What, what, what have you heard me say revival requires? This is, a, this is a difficult question because somebody may, no one may respond and I may feel bad that I haven't gotten this through to you. But revival requires unity. Thank you so much. You've made my day. 
revival requires unity. Without unity, there's not going to be the revival God intended. Or if we're not united with God first and with one another, we are not going to experience the revival that God has for this world at this time. It's going to go on, but we will not be a part of it uh, by our choice. And unity occurs many times because people unite over a variety of different things. What do people unite over? Sports. Okay, let's, let's just take sports. Um, right now, what I'm seeing is more and more baseball on TV. Is that correct? <laughs> there are some people that are like, no. I, I understand, but... But baseball is going on now. And if you're a baseball fan and you find out somebody else is a baseball fan, now these two gentlemen sitting in the second row are big baseball fans. We have a coach of RFA and his son who is a great player. Uh, <laughs> um, but when you find out somebody's a, a baseball fan, you automatically start to connect with them. All right, say, say all of a sudden you find out that that this person that you're talking to is a big baseball fan. You start talking about baseball and what's going on and what's happened and what's going to happen. And all of a sudden, one of them says, hey, you know what? I love the Boston Red Sox. Oh, I see Bob over here is like, yes. And the other person, all of a sudden, the smile on their face disappears. And they're like, what? Well, what do you mean, what? The Boston Red Sox are the bomb. They're the best. They're going to take it all. The person says, no, they're not. I'm telling you, they're, the Yankees are going to roll over them. Uh, see, we got some people over here that, <laughs> right? And, and all of a sudden, this thing that has united them, they are now divided. Why does that happen? Competition, but in essence, what it is is they've both valued baseball. We love baseball. But then when you start to go a little bit deeper, we love the Red Sox. Ooh. We love the Yankees. And now what happens is the value of their individual teams become more important than the game itself. And so we kind of divide because we don't want to talk to you, Red Sox people. You know, get a life. And, and the Red Sox people are like, Yankees? And, and so all of a sudden, there's something that's been valued more than what originally brought them together, and now there's a division. And this happens all the time. In, in our... our Humanly speaking, naturally speaking, we connect on a lot of different levels with a lot of different things. But what ends up happening is because we individually value some things over other things, what originally brought us together, we divide over because we have different value systems. We hold different things important and valuable to us. And unfortunately, it happens with Christians. And there's no reason for Christians to be divided. And the reason why I say that is because what unites us 
There should never be anything more valuable, more important than the fact that Jesus is our Lord. And Jesus is somebody else's Lord. And yet we see such division in the body of Christ, in the church. You know, divisions come all the time. I have read so many things about how churches have had splits and divided. That's how we got all the denominations we got. Because there were people that thought, well, this is more important than this. And so they, they divided. And we, we looked at this in, in previous weeks about how the Apostle Paul says, endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And then in other translations, it says, make every effort. Make every effort. That doesn't leave out anything. Make every effort. That means everything that you and I have in us, we need to put forth effort, which is work, right? Every effort, usually there's sacrifice when you make an effort. You've got to let go of something to do something else. Make every effort to keep the unity that the Spirit has created, the Holy Spirit. Now, we're one with God and we're one in God through the Spirit of God. And yet that oneness, that unity that, that we come together on initially, foundationally, all of a sudden we're watching other things rise up in Christians' lives and cause division. And what that is an indication of is this issue is more important than the fact that we're Christians. And I have to tell you, for that to happen, there's a deception that's going on in that person's life or that group of people's lives. And where there's deception, there's loss. They lose, the body of Christ loses, the world even loses because we're not united the way we need to be united because Revival requires unity. It's on the top of the list of Jesus. You know, he, he spoke about in, in three of the Gospels how a house divided or a city divided or a kingdom divided against itself won't stand. Literally, truthfully, Jesus said, if the kingdom of God is divided, it won't stand. But understand that in the body of Christ, the body is divided. But there is a remnant. There is a group that's determined they are not going to be divided over anything with brothers and sisters in Christ because that is the most important thing. And we need to all look at our lives. I have, I have spent a lot of time really before God, asking God to reveal to me because I don't know. I, I don't know everything and I'm not honest about everything just like you are not honest with yourself about everything. Sometimes I don't want to know. And yet I do know, but I want to pretend like I don't. Do you understand? And so I need God to... Do what the psalmist said, search me and show me if there's any way in me that's hindering you from having your way. Because whose way and whose will do we need in our life? 
That's the correct answer. But there are various moments in time where we choose our will over God's will. And the moment we do that, we start to divide with God. When we divide with God, we start to divide with our brothers and sisters. We bring division to the kingdom of God, to the body of Christ. And it begins to have an effect on us, on them, and on the world. And just the opposite is true. When we come together, there is an impact that we have in the world that we will not have any other way than when we come together. And, and today we're going to continue on in this and we're going to see what unity requires. Revival requires unity, but what does unity require? Because it, it, this element has to be in our lives or we can't be united and we can't experience the revival God intends. So God's going to have revival and we're going to choose whether we're going to be involved or not, whether we're going to walk in a certain way that God has for us to walk. And today we're going to look at that. But before we do, if you just bow your heads, I just want to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Father, I thank you for every person that's here. I thank you for their, their desire to, to worship you and praise you the way you deserve every day, not just Sunday their desire to uh, connect with you and to learn, that we would learn together, we would grow together in your grace and in your knowledge. Father, we thank you for the presence of your spirit here who, who leads us and guides us into all truth, who convicts us, uh, points to those areas of our lives that need adjustment, need realignment. And Father, today we thank you for your word that is life and health to those who find it, your word that's a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. Father, we thank you for your word that's truth that sets us free, breaks bondages and, and strongholds and perspectives and traditions that have held us back from the things that you have prepared. Now, Father, today we thank you for revelation that we receive and adjust our lives to and experience the transformation that we go from glory to glory. Father, we also thank you for healing today. Healing physically, healing emotionally, healing mentally, healing relationally, because you are a God that heals us and your word is life and health to us. So Father, thank you for doing what only you can do. And we look to you, we listen for you, and we will follow you. And we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. And so this unity is something that Jesus warned us if we weren't united, things wouldn't happen. But he also showed us in his prayer in John chapter 17, and we looked at this last week, uh, just a jumping off in verse 21 of John chapter 17, uh, Jesus prays, uh, he says, I pray that they, and the they that he's talking about is all of us, all those that were following him at that time, all the ones that would believe, you and me, all the ones that are going to believe, uh, would be one. And then he, he gives an indication of how close, how connected this oneness is. Just as you and I are one. Every time I read that, every time I think about that, there's a kind of a step back in me a drawback, a hesitation, because there's no closer oneness than between the Father and the Son and, and the Son and the Holy Spirit and the Father and the Holy Spirit. And, and this is the kind of oneness that he's talking about. But we just sang, 
with God, all things are possible. Nothing is impossible to God. The only way this is going to happen is if we, if I, if you, if all of us in the body of Christ allow God to have his way in our lives, he's going to connect us in a way that is supernatural and it's going to produce a supernatural result. That we are one, just as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, that they may be one in us. And then we read something that for years I've read, and it, it just seemed like this came alive. It came off the page when I began to read this over a year ago. That the world, this is what this is about, this, this unity with the Father and with one another is about the world believing that the Father sent Jesus the Son, that he is the Messiah. And so when the world begins to believe, that's what we call revival. When people come to Christ, and people are coming to Christ, we don't, listen, don't expect you're going to hear on the 6 o'clock news that there was a great revival, all these people came to Christ. They are not going to tell us that. You are not going to hear this on any type of, of media presentation, but I'm telling you right now, it is happening. From the people that we support, we're hearing what God's doing in Israel and in India and in the Middle East, and in a variety of places, God is moving. People are turning to Christ. And, and it's happening here in the States. But we're not going to hear about it, but we can believe that it's happening because when people become one, when the body of Christ unites, and I'm not talking about uniting with people that don't believe the way we believe Jesus is Lord. That's the bottom line. It's got to be. That's what unites us. But the rest of the stuff, we, we should not make it an issue that we would divide over. And if we don't make issues in the scripture dividing points, then why the heck would we ever make anything else in our society a dividing point? And yet it's happening. We're watching people become more divided than ever before because they're elevating things above the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And it's a form of deception. And the Bible says in the last days, many will be deceived. They'll hate one another. They'll betray one another. They'll do all sorts of things. And we're seeing this right now. And yet it is the counteroffensive of the enemy to what God is doing in the earth, in the body of Christ. And so the world will believe that you sent me. That's where the revival is. That's what God intends. But Christians left and right are falling prey to elevating elementary things to a place above the Lordship of Jesus. And we're becoming divided. And when we're divided, we're weakened. You know, one of the, one of the scriptures that Jesus spoke, he uh, recorded in one of the gospels. It says, a city, a, a, a home, a kingdom divided against itself will be brought to desolation. Desolation is complete undoing of something. 
So how do we, how do, we do this? What do we do? How, how do we unite? What, is, what, is, what does unity require? Well, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 and 16, it says this. But speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body is joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share and causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So breaking this down, we look at this and we see they speak the truth in love. Now, I, I, I have to tell you, there are times we speak truth, but it's not out of love. And there are times we think we love people without being truthful. We think we're doing them a favor by not telling them the truth. And you're never doing anyone a favor by not telling them the truth. And you're never doing anyone a favor by telling them the truth, but not in love. I want to read two quotes to you from, from two different people. Warren Wearsby, who is a, a, a great Bible scholar, said, truth without love is brutality. And he said, love without truth is hypocrisy. And then Timothy Keller wrote, love without truth is sentimentality. It supports and affirms, but it keeps us in denial about our flaws. Truth without love is harshness. It gives us information in such a way that we cannot really hear it. And that's why we can't have one without the other. We have to have them both. And God is both. Isn't God truth? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And he's love. One without the other isn't fully what God intended. And so speaking the truth in love, what's it cause? It causes us to grow. How? Into him. More like him. More like the Father. More like the Son. More like the Spirit. And that's how the body is formed together. As we grow in him, we get knit together. Whenever I do premarital counseling, I let, let the people that are going to be married, I let them know that their marriage is a triangle. Okay, it's not just those two. Remember, uh, Jeremy shared, I think it was with us, that a threefold cord is not easily broken. And, and that's an indication that you've got the husband, the wife, and you've got God. She should have God before she comes to the marriage. He should have God before he comes to the marriage. If they are not both in Christ, they can't be joined together the way God intended them to be. And so they both come having God as their, their head. And as they grow in God, they continue to get closer and closer together. If they don't grow in God together, one's going to grow towards God and one's going to go away from God. And there's never going to be the joining that God intended. And so it's not that they both grow at the same rate or in the same, but they're growing towards God. And because they're growing towards God, they're being connected because they're connection. Their primary connection in marriage needs to be God. But do you know what? The primary connection in every relationship we have needs to be God. Without that, we're going to experience just what we, we looked at with two baseball fans. 
One had something that was very important to them, and the other one had something different, and there was a division. There's nothing more important than Jesus Christ being the Lord and Savior. And we should never elevate anything above that. Well, I'm a Presbyterian. Oh, well, I'm a Baptist. Well, I'm a charismatic. Who cares besides you? And the moment you care about that more than Christ, all of a sudden there's a division. Well, I don't speak in tongues. I don't believe in the gifts. You know what? God doesn't care about that. He cares about unity under Christ more than anything else. And if he does, we should. And I have been guilty of elevating things above that one primary, foundational, essential thing of Christ. And I've repented. I've asked God to forgive me. I've asked God to help me constantly recognize when I am entertaining thoughts or perspectives that are divisive instead of unifying and help me to get rid of those things so I can walk in the spirit, walk in, in unity with God and with other Christians above all these other things that we're making issues. We all struggle with this. And God has for us to unite, but the only way we can unite is what this says. We speak the truth and in love, we grow in him, then we're joined and knit together. And as we're joined and knit together, every joint, every place there's a joining there's something that is supplied there. There's, there's life that comes from that. And then it goes on to say, as each part does its share, it causes the growth. Growth spiritually, growth numerically, growth in health in the body. You know, you can have people grow, connected together and it not be healthy. Correct? God doesn't want that. God wants this to be very healthy and life-giving. And it causes growth to the body for the edifying, the building. The building of itself up in what? Love. In love. That love is the agape love. It's the God kind of love. Building itself up in love or building itself up in God. When you build yourself up in love and in God, if there's more God in be between us, we're going to be drawn even more together. We're going to be more vitally, more uh, healthily. I don't know if that's a word. It'll be more healthy and, and stronger, connected than ever before. And so this is, this is what has to happen, but it's love. Revival requires unity, and unity requires love. Oh, but I love, you know, I know that love chapter. I do all that stuff. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff. The, 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 on a regular basis, there are times where it's, it's like a reset, um, a reboot for me where God will say, you know, you, you know a lot of these scriptures, but what are you doing with them? Ooh. 
Yeah, and it's, it's a wake-up call. It's, it's important. But this says everybody does his part. Well, what's your part? Well, I don't know. Yeah, you do. Your love. When Jesus asked, what was the most important commandment? Remember? Love who? Love God. First of all, love God. And Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commands. And then he said, the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So the most important is love. And it's not just knowing about it. It's not just talking about it. It's about living God's love. The first message I ever preached back in Mississippi in an adult service was live your love. It was terrible. It really was. I've got the only tape left of it. And I listen to it every once in a while, and I thank God that I have, he has helped me grow. And I want to keep growing. It was a great subject. It just wasn't presented real well. And yet God didn't give up on me. I'm so grateful for that. <laughs> uh, but, but living our love, living that love, how do we do that? Colossians chapter uh, 3, verse 14. We're going to look at this in three different translations. Kind of stick with me on this. It says, above all things, put on what? Love, which is the bond of perfection. Put on love. And it's above all things. Man, this is the most important thing. Now, in the New Living Translation, it says, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. Now, when we talk about harmony, what, what, what is harmony? Okay, it's music, right? We, we look at that, think about that first. And is it all, everybody's saying, playing the same note at the same time? No. It's everybody playing a note at the same time that adds to the other notes to give a fuller sound that is pleasing and pleasant. But there's a connectedness but a diversity. We talked about that last week. God's not looking for uniformity. He's looking for unity. And unity in diversity. Because usually when there's diversity, there isn't unity. But in the kingdom of God, there is. God intended it to be that way. But it says above all, and it's talking about preceding verses that we're going to look at in the future. Clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Perfect harmony. The only one that's perfect is God. It's a God harmony. The world's waiting to hear the God harmony in the church. But this says, clothe yourselves. I want you to all know, I was checking you out this morning. Everybody here has passed the test. You've done well. But I need to know why you did what you did. <laughs> you clothed yourself, right? Right? Did that take any effort? <laughs> you're just laying there. And you wake up and you're like, okay, let's go. And you just went. The clothes flew out of the closet. No. What, what, what did it take? 
Yes, thought. You have, <laughs> Louis is pointing to Kathy. <laughs> Took her. I understand, Louis. I, I test Deb every once in a while. I'll be going out and she'll say, are you going out in that? Nope, this is just a test. <laughs> Wanted to see if you catch me on this. But you, you, it took thought. You had to think about what you were going to wear, and then you had to put it on, correct? And then you had to keep it on before you got here, right? Now, why did you pick out what you picked out? All right, some, some people dress for success, right? You've heard that? Other people, they dress to impress. Thank you. Thank you, Donna. Some of us dress for comfort. But whether it's success to impress or comfort, understand there's something more important than all of those. If it was snowing outside, would you have come the way you came today? Not that we're looking for snow. No, what would you have done? You would have thought a little further to say, hey, you know what, I better put on a coat and that kind of, because you dress because of what you're going to face. And I have to tell you, you can dress to impress, you can dress for success, you can dress for comfort, but if you aren't dressing for what you're going to face, you're going to be in trouble. Because no matter how styling you are, not good things are going to happen if you haven't dressed the way you need to. And right here it says, clothe yourself. Above all, clothe yourself with love. You've got to put on love. Of all the things we put on, and I have to tell you, I was, I was just sitting thinking and this thought flew into my mind. I, can't, I cannot attribute it to God. I don't want to. <laughs> but there are Christians out there Back when I was in college, there was a thing that went on that was a real, it swept the college campuses across the nation. It was streaking. Some of you are like, what's that? It's when a bunch of crazy college people would get together and decide they were going to run through campus without any clothes on. Genius ideas. And I remember one group that was running through campus without their clothes on, yelling and screaming. They all had ski masks on. And all of a sudden I saw at the other end of the road they were running down the security, campus security car coming up. And they scattered. Some of them were running through hedges. Yeah, not a good idea. But with that picture in mind, I want you to know there are a lot of Christians that are streaking. They're not putting on the clothes God has for them. And, and they're paying a price. Because we're supposed to put on the clothes of love. Well, how do I do that? What is that? Well, you know, we're going to find out. But when we clothe ourselves in love, it binds us together in perfect harmony. Look at what the easy-to-read version says. Together with these things. Again, it's talking about the preceding verses. The most important part of your new life. The most important part of your new life. This means you and I can't have the new life God has for us the way God has for us to have it 
without this part. If I don't have the the abundant life God has for me, I can't be the abundant blessing God intended me to be. I can't give what I don't got. And I am here to give glory to God, to fulfill his will, to, to bring honor to his name. But I'm also here to impact other people, believers and unbelievers. And if I don't have what God has for me, then I can't be the blessing God has for me to be to you or to anybody who hasn't come to Christ. It's impossible. I can't give what I don't have. The most important part of this new life. Nothing more important. Going to church isn't as important as this. It's important. Reading your Bible isn't as important as this. It's important. But this is the number one most important thing in your life, that you love each other. When you love, and I love the agape kind of love, the selfless, sacrificial, serving type of love that God is, guess who's seen? It reveals God. If I serve... And I sacrifice and I surrender. I choose to to live this love. People are watching what's going on, but what they're actually seeing is God. Like the Bible says, Christ in us, the hope of glory. When we operate this way, when we live this way, we live this love, we live clothed with this and taking action because of this in every interaction we have with saved and unsaved people, it doesn't matter because we're supposed to love who? God and everybody. No matter what their life is like, no matter what they're doing or not doing, we're supposed to be loving these people. And so it says, together with these things, the most important part of your new life is to love each other. Love is what holds everything together. This isn't the only place that says this. The Bible tells us that Jesus holds all things together. Jesus is God, which is love. Love holds all things together. Without love in our life, things are going to come apart. Relationships are going to come apart. Our lives are going to come apart. There's going to be division. Without this, there is no avoiding division. And where there's division, there is loss. Because a house, a city, a kingdom divided won't stand. It will be brought to desolation. Every place I don't choose to walk in love, I am allowing division to creep in. And when I allow division to creep in, there's desolation. Whatever it is won't stand. There's loss. But this says love is what holds everything together in perfect unity. Perfect unity. 
This is what God's after. When we look at what Jesus said, I pray that they would be one as you and I are one. That's perfect unity. This is what it takes for us to experience that unity that God wants that's beyond human ability apart from God. Perfect unity comes when we clothe ourselves, when we walk and live in love in every encounter, in every endeavor, in every aspect and area of our lives. And when I say that, I'm saying that and my mind is going, tilt. I know me. I know that I can't do this on my own. But remember what the Bible says. Back when we were talking about life's best guide, we were talking about Holy Spirit. Now, where is Holy Spirit? Yeah, he lives in us as believers. He's right there. There's nothing closer to us than the Spirit of God who is love and who also, it says in Romans 5, 5, floods our hearts with love. And so God's giving us what we need to walk in this, but we've got to look to him and we've got to yield to him and we've got to let him have his way, his will in us that he can do beyond anything we could ask or think. The Bible says that God will do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think. And we usually end it there, but it says according to the power that's at work in us. What power is that? It's the power of the spirit and his word. The power of love at work in us. At work in us. So, wow, it's a lot to take in. How does, how, does this, how does this manifest? How do we see love in operation in our lives? Well, we can go to a lot of places in the Bible and, and look and see, and we are going to. And you may say, well, you know, I'm kind of tired of that stuff. I've, I've read 1 Corinthians 13. I've read all those things about love. You know, if that's the attitude you have, you're likely not doing it. This is one of the most challenging things a Christian can face because it's not something we can naturally do. It's not just that we just kind of get up one morning and say, I'm going to walk in love. Because you're going to have every opportunity to walk in love. But if we aren't clothed with love, if we haven't before we left the house determined, God, I am going to give myself, I'm going to clothe myself with love because how many of you know you're going to walk out into a world that is not going to be as nice as you want it to be? They're not going to be as kind as you want them to be. They're not going to be as caring as we want them to be. As a matter of fact, sometimes they're downright nasty and hateful and hurtful. And that's why we have to clothe ourselves in love. That love is to a degree a protection for us. When somebody's ugly to you and you don't think you deserve it, and you may not, you may, <laughs> but all of a sudden somebody does something to you you don't expect and you don't believe you deserve. All of a sudden you feel hurt and rejected and abandoned and, and betrayed, whatever. And that's what it says in the last days are going to happen. Many will betray one another. All of a sudden, you are wrapped in God's love and you realize, okay, they only know a portion of me and the portion that they know they don't like and that's what's happened. But God, you know everything about me and you still love me. You accept me, you value me, you treasure me. 
And all right, all right, it hurts, but that's okay. That hurt can be healed because I know you love me. And you're always going to love me. And to tell you the truth, if those people are Christian, they're going to have to love you too. Well, I don't know if that's true. If they're going to get to heaven, they will. Because once they're there, they're going to love you. <laughs> it's true about the people you feel that way about too. They're going to be there and you're going to be like, I really love them. What? Yeah, you're going to really love them. You're not going to be put off and offended and, 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 and just super sensitive about what, what they did to you. That's all going to be gone because it doesn't matter. And if it's not going to matter there, why do we make it matter here? Because we're so conscious of here and now. We're so conscious of us. That was part of the fall. The first thing that Adam and Eve became aware of was themselves. They were naked. Man, forget yourselves. <laughs> Easier said than done. It's kind of like <clears throat> there was a guy trying to cross the street, and uh, he noticed a car coming down, so he went back to the sidewalk, and the car slowed down. And so he started out, and the car speeded up. And then he went this way, and the car went that way, and then he went this way, and the car went that way, and all of a sudden came right up to him and put on the brakes, and he hears a voice. Not as easy as it looks, is it? And he looks in there, and there's a squirrel behind the wheel. <laughs> Obviously not a true story, but it has a point. So how, how do we walk in this love? What, what, what's this like? When we look in, in uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. And we're, we're, we're going to end a little early today, and we're going to close with this. This is Peter. Peter's writing this. Remember Peter? Peter was the one that thought he got everything right and was wearing his foot a lot of the time. Peter says this. Now, Paul, Paul wrote the most important thing in in your new life is to love people. Peter says the most important thing of all is to continue to show deep love for each other. Love covers a multitude of sins. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm going to tell you that for years I've, I've looked at this and I've just kind of glossed over this. Yep, I understand it's most important of all. I realize that uh, to show deep love for each other, love covers a multitude of sins. That didn't make a lot of sense to me. And, and in studying this out, I've come to an understanding because there are some people that are, well, there are a lot of people a lot smarter than me that have studied more intensely uh, the original languages and things like that and, and our, our biblical scholars and Greek scholars and just all sorts of scholars. But learning from them, you don't have to be a scholar to see, most important of all. That's kind of up there, right? Where? Exactly, the top. This is it. Most there's not two most importance of all. There's a most important of all. And this is the second time we've heard this from two different authors in the New Testament. Is to continue to show deep love for each other. Love covers a multitude of sins. Is God saying this is a cover-up? You just cover up things, you cover up things, you cover up things. Because when you're covering up things, you're trying to hide them. Just put them away. Don't even deal with it. 
That's not what this is talking about. This, this word covers is a specific word found in the New Testament only in, in three places. But it says the word is kalupto. All right? Probably didn't, didn't pronounce it right, but I tried. And, and it's not about ignoring something or stuffing it aside. What it's really about, it's defined as to wrap around. And it gives in the definition an example of bark wrapping around a tree. What, what does bark do for a tree? Yeah, it protects it. And it's always growing as the tree grows. But, but this wraps around, it's, it means to envelop or to uh, surround. Another word that's used as a definition to help us understand is to plaster, when you plaster something. And, and it's not so much true today as it was back in, in the day, but when you broke something, when something was broken, your hand or your foot or your leg, they would plaster that broken area. Now the plaster, when they put a cast, a plaster cast on it was for a couple of reasons. The first thing was so that you wouldn't injure yourself more. You wouldn't be more injured. So this covering is to keep you from becoming more injured by whatever it is that has come to you, the sin. And it's not talking about your sin, it's talking about other people's sins. Covers a multitude of other people's sins. Because people sin against us, is that correct? Yeah, they do things to us. In essence, they're also doing it to God. And they don't realize that. If we did, we'd never do it because we wouldn't want to do it to God, but we're okay with doing it to you. So it covers it. It, it protects from further injury. It also, as it envelops, the best example that we have is that of an oyster. All right? Because the second aspect of this, it stops any more injury. But God's promised he'll work all things out for what? Good. And so even the injury that comes to us, God can work that for good, but he's not going to leave it just the way it is. There's a surrounding that goes on because we, we if we're walking in love, are going to walk the way God has for us to walk, and we're going to begin to surround God. Love covers or surrounds a multitude of sins that have been perpetrated against us. See, sometimes we still continue to hold the, the perspectives and the ways of the world. When somebody sins against us, we're going to get even. And yet God says, no, 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 no. Vengeance is mine. We have no right to react to another person's injury to us. And yet it's natural for us to do, but if we walk in love, that won't happen. Because we're clothing ourselves with these characteristics of love that we're going to learn. And we're going to choose to do what love says to do. Instead of what we feel we want to do or what we've learned to do in the world. But getting back to this, love covers. It's like a, an oyster. When an oyster gets an irritant or something injures it inside, it begins to secrete this, this fluid. 
that begins to cover, coat that irritation, that, that thing that's bringing injury. It coats it. it. It can't spit it out. And many times we can't get this out. And so what we have to do is we have to begin to coat it. Coat it with love. And as over time, there's layer upon layer upon layer. The first layer, it's still irritating. It's still painful. It's still uncomfortable. There are going to be things in your life that are going to come. And at first, it's just searing pain. But as you and I choose to walk in love and our, the love that God floods our hearts with, we start to cover this, this injury, this irritation with, it's not as painful as it was. See, most of the time, honestly, we don't want God to do what he does. We want a miracle. We just want it over. We want it done with. We want it all better. Because we as Christians want neat and tidy. We, we don't want process. We want it now. And this is process-oriented because God is a process-oriented God. He continues to bring us along. We go from glory to glory. We're becoming more like Jesus. We're becoming more holy. All right? And so in this, we begin to coat this irritant, this, this injury with love. Becomes less painful. And just like an oyster does, when it's at the final stage, what does that injury or that irritation in the oyster become? And what, how does our society view pearls? Precious. The only precious so-called stone that is not made in the earth is created by an animal. Are any of you impressed by the way an oyster looks? I mean, are you like, <laughs> Bob's like, are you kidding me? Wow, look at that oyster. I'm impressed. Man, they're not impressive. But I'm telling you what they do is. People may not look at you and say, man, you're really impressive. But when they see you walk in love, when people are doing what they're doing to you, they're going to be like, man, that's impressive. That's amazing. How can you do that? I'm just so good. <laughs> it's because God's so good. God's been so good to us. You know, Jesus, when he died on the cross for our sins, he paid the price for our sins. He covered over our sins in the fact that he turned what was awful into something that God could receive as beautiful, us. Folks, I, I, I don't know how to say this any other way. But as unimpressed as we may be with oysters, don't look for people to be impressed with you when you walk in love. But they are going to take notice of what you've done and how you've done it. And in essence, what they're doing is they're seeing God. They're going to be drawn to that. That love is what keeps us unified because people are going to do things to you. People that love God are going to do things to you. You who love God are going to do things to other people 
And what you need other people to do for you, you need to do for other people. When you do the things you do, I do the things I do. I need people to walk in love with me. I need them to cover my sin, not hide it. It was sin, but I'm choosing to start to coat it with love. When you're around somebody that's like that, you've done all sorts of things that maybe out of ignorance or foolishness or frustration, and, and they, they choose to love you anyways. They cover that with love. They choose to forgive. They choose to let it go. They choose to keep the connection over the injury. It's what the kingdom of God is about. It's what it's supposed to be about on the earth. And when the world sees that kind of love, they're going to see Jesus. They're going to move towards God. They're going to begin to believe who Jesus really is. And a revival is going to happen. And we're going to be a part of it because we're choosing to walk in this love. Because we're covering. How do we cover it? We're going to look at this in the upcoming weeks. How, how do we cover this? What, what do you cover? Oh, I cover it with love. Well, I'm covering it with love, jerk. <laughs> no, no. When, when Here's what happens. Initially, yeah, it's, it's hard to think anything other than what a jerk. But as you cover this sin in love, all of a sudden... Man, I just don't like what you did. No longer are they a jerk. I just don't like what you did. As you continue to cover this, this sin, this injury, this, this irritation and love, that's a, that's a brother in Christ. I need to pray for them. I love them in spite of it. That's not who they are. It's what they did, but they aren't what they do. They're a child of God. God's living in them. And all of a sudden, they don't change initially, but we do. And the connection, the unity is kept because we continue to change. And as we do, that change is going to affect other people. It may not affect them right away. And they may never allow it to affect them, but it still does whether they choose to change or not. But it definitely affects us. And we need to walk in that. We need to walk in that. Layers, these layers of love that we keep putting over what people do to us. Endeavor, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. We're putting another layer of love on it. And then all of a sudden out comes this amazing pearl. I'm going to tell you about a pearl that, that our family has. It is a treasure. Very few families have but I'm going to tell you about this miracle next week. I'd like every head bowed, every eye closed. I know everyone here today, and I know that you have received Christ as your Lord, so we're not going to pray. But what I do want you to consider praying is, God, show me. Show me where I'm allowing the injuries 
or the irritations that I have not covered in love to continue to fester. And help me, help me to bring it to you and help me to receive from you the love that I can coat these things with. Not, not saying what was done was okay. It's not that at all. It was not good, but I'm choosing to coat this in love. I'm choosing to love in spite of what's been done because love never fails. Part of that love is forgiveness. We're going to go into that, but I'm going to tell you right now, be ready. Be starting to prepare yourself to forgive others. For us to walk in love, we have to change. And to change, we have to repent. To repent, we have to recognize that we're not where we should be and we need to make an adjustment. Repentance is a foundational part of a Christian's life, and yet so many Christians don't do any repenting. They think, oh my gosh, I, I don't want to repent. Yeah, you do. You want to repent. You want to change. You want to realign and readjust. And Father, I pray for any, every one of your children here today. I pray, first of all, for any injury or irritation that's been done to them, that, Father, you would do what you said you'd do by the Spirit of God that lives in them, flood their hearts, flood their whole being with your love, that that flood of love will begin to envelop to envelop that irritation, that injury, so that it is in the process of moving from what it was to what you have, working it for good, that it would become a gem, a valuable part of their lives, not remembering and experiencing ongoing irritation or injury, but, Father, blessing and benefit and growth. And, Lord, this is what only you can do as we allow you. So, Father, I pray for a willing heart in, in each one of your children here today. And, Father, as impossible as it seems, some of these injuries, some of these irritations have been years and years and years in the making. But, Father, I pray that there would be a new revival in our lives of love, love for you, love for one another in the body of Christ, and love for the world that would unite us like never before. That, Lord, just as you said, they'll know that we're your disciples by our love one for another. Father, I thank you that that's ever-increasing, ever-increasing in this body of believers, ever-increasing in the body of, of Christ in Rome and in the body of Christ in New York and the body of Christ in America, that the divisions are going to fall. And the love is going to arise and unite in the world, in the body of Christ. Father, we pray this. We pray this. We pray this. We pray this. But Father, let it begin with us. We thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? I just want you to know that I have been, and, and the elders, the leaders of this church have been praying for you, for revival, for unity, and for love. That's what this, this church is all about. It was, it was the name of this church, Resurrection Life, love and full expression. Do we do it all the time? No. That's our goal. And we're always going to be gaining on it. We want to be people that fully express God's love. It's a challenge, 
It's a, it's a, a guidance system for us. Love and full expression so people will see God. Amen? Father, I thank you for your blessing on each and every one of your children. Father, they're blessed. There's nothing that can, can stop that except us not receiving it. Father, I thank you for you continuing to bless with health, with peace and joy, with strength and vitality, refreshing sleep. Father, thank you for causing us to come under the spout of your ever-flowing love and life. Thank you for this week as we go ahead into this week. You've already gone ahead of us and you've prepared a way. And Lord, we thank you for guiding us the best possible way, not the easiest, but the best possible way that will have the greatest impact and bring the greatest glory to your name. We thank you, Father, for this in Jesus' name.